This morning, I couldn't uh, see how many times I'd pressed the little button on my microphone accidentally here. I wasn't sure if I was on, but I am on, and you are stuck with me this morning for at least a little while, and uh, so here we are, and we are in the third chapter of the book of Matthew. We're looking at lessons from the life of Christ, and... Uh, I'm just responding to Mazaki over in Kenya as well. I, Don has done that. Uh, so praying for, for them over there and uh, just, you know, the, the challenges they have, the things that we think are challenges for us uh, are, are 
are nothing compared to some of the challenges they have in other places of the world. And uh, so um, we do pray for their ministry. We pray for health uh, over in Kenya for you, brother, uh, in Kenya. Uh, the, the Lord would strengthen you. The Lord would heal you. Uh, the Lord would use you. The Lord would minister to you. The Lord would minister through you that the Lord would be gracious to you, make his face to shine upon you, and give you his peace. That That is our prayer for you this morning while we have you. So we just lift you up this morning uh, right here from Moral, Maine, reaching across to uh, to Kenya this morning. So uh, prayers for you, and uh, absolutely. Well, we are, we're looking at the life of Christ, and it's not so much necessarily a verse-by-verse. Verse. It kind of is, but it's we're working through different sections. Why do I come back to the life of Christ? Because Jesus Christ is life. That's why. Christ is life. Christ is our life. In fact, that's the name of the church uh, from which we ha- have our theme song, Christ Our Life Fellowship, up in Abbott, Abbotsford, Uh, British Columbia, it's a song that they did, Christ Our Life Fellowship. I love the name of the church. Uh, You know, sometimes we we want to be all appealing, but let's be focused on Jesus. And so we come back to the life of Christ because he's our Savior, he's our friend, he's our Lord. Uh, So why not get to know him better through the study in the Gospels of his life? And that's what we're doing right now. And uh, Yesterday, as we were in this, we we talked about the winnowing fork uh, down in verse 12, Matthew chapter 3. His winnowing fork is in his hand. He will clear the threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. I mean, there's so much more I could have drawn out from these verses. This is the the introduction of Jesus uh, as he comes uh, to... John. In fact, he hasn't even quite come to John yet uh, in the verses that John is talking about who Jesus is and that one will come whose whose, uh, sandals I'm not even fit to bow down and and, um, unloose. Um, One who is greater, I baptize with water, he will baptize with the Spirit. These are all things that John was saying about Jesus prior to Jesus even getting uh, on the scene with John. Now we pick up in verse 13, this last little bit here. Uh, And again, I'm using this book, The Harmony of the Gospels uh, by Thomas and Gundry, looking at it and uh, seeing some of of what we will read here. So we're going to read about his baptism here. Verse 13, Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. I mean, John realized who Jesus was. It's like, uh, you have greater things to give to me, uh, so I need to be baptized by you, and yet you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so. Now, it is proper for us to do this to fill all the righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. 
Um, so this is my son whom I love with whom with, with him, I am well pleased. So, um, John doesn't feel like he should be baptizing Jesus. He feels like he should be baptized by Jesus. And yet Jesus says, we need to fulfill uh, all the law. I, I don't want to, to seem like I've done an end around other people. There'll be enough things that will come up, uh, later on in Jesus' ministry where, where he will begin to upend some of the ritual and upend some of the tradition uh, and upend even some of the civil law uh, that, that had been misunderstood and misapplied. Uh, as an example, the Sabbath is one of those things that, that we'll look at that uh, had been misunderstood and misapplied, uh, and uh, Jesus brings it back to its roots. I want to put this over into a couple other translations that we will look at this morning. Um, here is the New Living Translation. It's very, very similar. Uh, it says, Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. So we get that. He is gone to be baptized. I got a question for you. Let me just stop right there. Have you been baptized as a follower of Jesus? There are a few different types of baptism that get practiced amongst various uh, branches, sects, um, denominations, uh, traditions uh, of Christianity. One is infant baptism. That is not one that I practice. I have good friends that practice that, but I, I just don't see it in the, in the Gospels. I, in fact, I don't even see it in the Old Testament, and yet... They'd give a clarion call as to why they think they should do it. And maybe that was you baptized. I was baptized as an infant. Um, but what we read about in the Gospels and what we read about in the book of uh, Acts is what we would call believer's baptism. Uh, here we, we read about people who were going out into the the desert place where John was to be baptized. They were adults. Now, now it was a baptism of repentance. What Jesus will institute is a baptism of belief that those who believe uh, go out to be baptized. And why are they baptized? Identifying with Jesus. Baptism is is going down into the water and then coming up out of the water. Some would say, oh, that represents cleansing. That's part of the story. Uh, it does represent you down the water. You have your you're cleansed from your sins and you're raised up out. And actually, the water and the act of baptism doesn't cleanse you. It's symbolic of that, but it doesn't cleanse you. Yet there are people who think when you are baptized uh, as a believer, someone who is cognitively said, I am going to follow after Jesus, I want to be baptized in the water, um, but when they are baptized out in the water and, and brought out of the water, it's symbolic of the cleansing of sin, absolutely. But it is even more significant than that. To be baptized down into the water is the idea of burial, the idea of death, the idea of going down in the water, representing I am, I am dying to self and then coming up out of the water, I am being resurrected to new life in Christ. Christ is now, my life, that is what is represented in the act of baptism. Every believer is told to be 
baptized. And so my question to you is, as a believer, have you been baptized? Don't point back to say, well, when I was a child, it doesn't count. Uh, that's a different baptism. That, that, that's an infant baptism. The New Testament specifically teaches something called believer's baptism. In fact, let me take you to chapter 28 of the book of Matthew. We'll go right to the very end and uh, to remind you of, of what it says there. It says the 11 disciples left for Galilee. This this was after the resurrection of Jesus, before his ascension. It says, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. I mean, they frequently went to mountains and to gardens and places outdoors, sometimes to lakes, but a lot of outdoor stuff going on there. It says, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. They have seen him, and uh, uh, and he's qualifying to them. Uh, he is stating to them, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Okay, we, we get that. We are to be we are to be about the work of making disciples of all nations, of all people, of all languages. But then the next part, verse 19, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. So we see. Jesus saying to baptize people. If he's telling the, the the disciples to baptize people, then the other side of the equation is if you're a new believer, you should be being baptized. You should get baptized into the water. Now, in the book of Acts, we will read in the second chapter, um, the people will say, what should we do? Peter has preached a a brief message. The Holy Spirit has empowered uh, that message. Uh, and the people say to him, this is Acts chapter 2, verse 37. It says, Peter's words pierced their hearts. The Holy Spirit empowered his words. Their word, Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, we can go a few chapters later uh, in the book of Acts, and we will see, I want to make sure I'm taking you to the right place, Acts. I don't remember off the top of my head which uh, which chapter. I think it's chapter 8. Yes, chapter 8 of the book of Acts. Here's another example. As for Philip, the, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. Interesting here, it is speaking about um, an angel of the Lord said to him, I mean, how do we receive our directives from God, the Holy Spirit? Here it speaks of an angel giving a directive to Philip. 
So it says he started out, he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Kandake, the queen of Ethiopia. The uh, eunuch had gone to Jerusalem. So here we are, we're we in Africa. Uh, the eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, see, here's the direction. We, we, we need daily direction in our lives and ministry direction. God gives us that direction by various means, his word, the Holy Spirit prompting us. The Holy Spirit said, directed somehow, Philip, go over and walk beside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading the prophet Isaiah, and Philip asked, do you understand what you are reading? The man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture he'd been reading was this, he was led like a sheep to slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And the, the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with that same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. They rode along and they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? So he ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down to the water, and Philip baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Meanwhile, Philip found himself farther north at the town of Zotus, and he preached the good news there in every town along the way until he came to Caesarea. Now, uh, so much here that, that we can talk about, and, and we're supposed to be talking about the life of Christ, Baptism, Jesus was baptized, an example that we are, to, if he was baptized, we should also be baptized. Here we see this Ethiopian eunuch being baptized. Um, so much in this passage that we can talk about in terms of discipleship and disciple making, uh, the two words are related, but not the same, uh, Disciple, the disciple making that Philip will do uh, is get up in and explain him the scriptures. You notice uh, it wasn't that hard. Uh, he saw a person reading the scripture and he went and he read it with him. Then he explained it to him. Friends, that's what I'm wanting to make sure you are equipped to do. Now, I know probably most of you aren't going to sit behind a microphone like I do or stand behind a microphone like I do uh, publicly uh, and teach like I teach. I get that. I, I get the uniqueness of my gift uh, among us. I mean, it's not unique, and lots of other people have gift of teaching and, and far superior gift of teaching or more, maybe more uh, developed, more mature gift of teaching, uh, but, but I know it's my gift. But could you get into somebody's pickup truck who's sitting there reading the Bible and say, do you understand what you're reading? Could you get in the, the, the front seat of somebody's Mercedes who's reading the scriptures and say, do you understand what you're reading? Uh, could you get in somebody side by side as they're sitting there out in the wilderness reading the scriptures and say to them, do you understand what you're reading? I, I, I Listen, the goal is that you're equipped to be able to do that when it comes to pointing people to Jesus. Every believer needs to be able to point somebody to Jesus. Now, 
That, that, that's a side note. That, that's kind of a little bit of a rabbit trail this morning. But, but just simply what happened here, I mean, he, he was directed by an angel. Then he was directed by the Holy Spirit. Those both are, are here in Acts chapter 8. We, we read in uh, 826, it says an angel of the Lord. It doesn't say the angel. I mean, angels still minister among us, folks. It's taught in the book of Hebrews. Uh, so an angel of the Lord said to him, and then in verse 29, it says, the spirit said to Philip, are we talking about the same thing? What we do know is this. Philip was supernaturally directed uh, to go to this man, to to walk beside the carriage, eventually to get up inside the carriage, eventually to explain the gospel from that very passage. I mean, it was a divine appointment. God will give you divine appointments if if you will look to him. If you're trusting in him and if you're saying, Lord, help me to point somebody to you today, he will give you a divine appointment. He will help you to have opportunity to, to speak about Jesus if, if you're asking him. Uh, if you're looking, if you're watching, if, if you're waiting, if you pray and you watch, God will open doors for you to be able to share Christ with other people. That's exactly what Philip did. Now, all of this came out of the word baptism. What we see here, we, we, we see uh, in the Great Commission, Jesus saying, be baptized. We see uh, Peter's response to the people in Acts chapter 2, and they said, what must we do? Believe, be baptized. Uh, now, we do not believe that uh, baptism carries the same weight as belief, but it is a marker of that belief. Uh, it's a demonstration. It's an indicator of that belief. And we come all the way here to Acts chapter 6, and we see, not Acts 6, Acts 8, uh, and we see uh, baptism taking place here. You can go into Romans chapter 6, and it will speak there about baptism as well. So what I say to you is if you have not been baptized as a believer in Jesus, if your kids have not been baptized as believers, now I, I want to talk about something that uh, uh, that. that Claire mentioned here, Aaron and Daniel was baptized at their former church. Fantastic. I I, I baptized my daughter, Carmen. Uh, I don't know if she was 12, maybe 11, 12, something like that. Baptized her. And when she was 17 or 18, she got rebaptized. Now, it wasn't that she got resaved. It isn't how it works. You get saved, literally, honestly, sincerely, genuinely converted generally regenerated one time. Now, you might fall away from that and need to come back into relationship. You're regenerated one time, and then then you renew your relationship on an ongoing basis. But she hadn't fallen away, but when she was, I don't know, 16, 17, 18, I'm going to say it, maybe 17, she got baptized again out at Fairhaven Camp, and I happened to be showing up as she was being baptized. Dad, nothing against your baptism, but... My faith means a whole lot more to me now than it did when I was 12. I, I understood. I, I know I was a Christian back then, but but now I can truly say I really want to follow Jesus. And she has done that. I'm so proud of my daughter. And you can tell her. You can message her. Say, your dad was boasting on you this morning because uh, her name is Carmen Flaxbart, in case you don't know that. Uh, but just she she seeks to walk with the Lord, and I'm so proud of her in that. Her faith became real to her. If if you were baptized as maybe as a child, an infant baptism, 
but never as a believer, I want to encourage you, talk to me, say, I need to be baptized. Uh, also, um, maybe you were a teenager when you were baptized, and, and yeah, you're baptized at your parents' prompting, but maybe it didn't mean as much to you as it would right now because now you're you're, you're so on fire in your faith. I mean, you, you can be baptized again. But if you were never baptized, certainly, and you're a believer in Jesus, I want to encourage that. Now, what, what do we do? There are a couple different forms of baptism that take place. What happened with Jesus, Back if we go back to Matthew chapter 3, is he was immersed in the water. It's it's an immersive baptism. We, we take people down into the water of baptisms, depending on what they're like and how our relationship is, determines how long we hold them under. I'm kidding. Um, but uh, that represents death to self, coming up out of the water, resurrection, new life in Jesus. That is what that represents. That's what John did. However, sometimes people are unable to be immersed. Uh, sometimes it, it, there have been people who are on medical devices that they can't be uh, immersed. And so I will, I, I, I can pour. I've done that before. I've poured water over people's heads. Um, sometimes that is a little bit nebulous with some people. And so I've sprinkled people. Uh, the Bible doesn't say you have to immerse people. That's the pattern that we read, but it doesn't say, it just says to be baptized. And, and, and some people, they're in a chair. They're in a, you know, a motorized chair. They can't get down in the water. Uh, now, I know some camps that have uh, lifts that will help people that are in a chair be able to get into the water for swimming and recreation, and, and maybe something like that could be used for baptism. But, but the modes of baptism, I think the key is being baptized. Some people have a deathly fear of uh, being in water like that. They'll take a shower, but but being going underwater uh-uh, ain't going to happen. I've watched some people who um, uh, I can tell you that uh, uh, now I forgot what I was going to say because I looked at the comment. Shame on me. Um, there are some people, I know I was going to say, some people that overcome their fear of water through baptism. They're like, I'm so afraid of doing this, but I'm going to do it because I'm trusting God. Uh, and they overcome their fear of baptism. What we see here is we see Jesus being baptized. Now, I want to put this over into the the message paraphrase and just to see if there's any other nuance that we might get out of this, uh, possibly. Let me put this up here for us. Jesus appeared, arriving at the Jordan River from Galilee. He wanted John to baptize him. John objected, I'm the one who needs to be baptized, not you. But Jesus insisted, do it. God's work, putting things right all these centuries, is coming together right now in this very baptism. I added to what... um, what Eugene Peterson said in, the, in this very, this is, this is a, an incredible moment. Uh, so John did it. And then we read, the moment Jesus came up out of the baptismal waters, the Jordan River, the skies opened up, and he saw God's spirit, it looked like a dove, descending on landing on uh, descending and landing on him. And along with the spirit, a voice, this is my son, chosen and marked by my love, the delight of my life. And there's some nuance that comes out of how um, Eugene Peterson states this to us, and and it's appreciated. 
to, to think about how the father would speak of the son. This is my son, chosen, marked by my love, delight of my life. I mean, if if Jesus is the delight of God's life, then Jesus should be uh, and could be uh, the delight of our lives as well. Um, but coming up out of the baptismal waters, I mean, he had to go through this. He sets the example for us. Uh, this, this this is a perhaps the first place it speaks of uh, in the scriptures where where we see um, where we we see or we read about Jesus hearing the voice and where, where we read about Jesus seeing the Holy Spirit descending uh, and lighting like a dove. Now, John probably saw the spirit descending on him, lighting like a dove, but also this voice coming and saying to him, this is my son chosen and marked by the delight, uh, marked by my love, the delight of my life. The NIV, uh, NIV again told us this, a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. The New Living Translation, I'll put that up there for us as well. This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. A little bit of difference of nuance that, that comes from the, the two translators, the, those translating the NLT and those translating the NIV, and then nuance coming from the paraphrase of Eugene Peterson's message uh, but for us to think about, if this is the Father's uh, view of the Son, what is our view of the Son? What is our view of Jesus? Um, so John is revealing more about Jesus through the baptism. More is revealed not only through John, but through the writers of the Gospels here in Matthew chapter 3 in the baptism of Jesus. More is, is revealed about Jesus and this this is the moment this moment where he says uh verse 15 it should be done for we must carry out all that god requires i really do like the way that uh, i think it's the way that peterson had this stated uh because i i think this is this really does capture the essence of what is taking place here and i I want you to see this. Sometimes the paraphrases uh, maybe maybe get at the heart of things a little bit better. Sometimes in the translations do. Uh, the translations are going word for word, where sometimes paraphrases are going uh, concept for concept. Verse fifteen: Jesus insisted, "Do it." God's work, putting all th uh, putting things right, all these centuries is coming together right now in this baptism. I mean, it is at this point that Jesus is launching his public ministry. Uh, this is the point now where, where he shows up really for the first time uh, since being 12 years of age. Jesus now shows up on the scene at the baptism and um, now launches out into his ministry. He is 30-plus years of age. Some believe he was maybe more like 33 32 or 33 years of age, possibly. You know, we all say he died and he was 33. Well, that's not so exacting uh, necessarily by scholarship. Uh, he, he was probably in the range 33 to 36 years of age when, when he was crucified. Uh, that is a small detail, actually. The main detail here is, is what Jesus established. 
He was baptized at the end of his ministry, his parting shot to his disciples. He said, baptize people. After his ascension into heaven, we see Peter saying to people, saying, what must we do to be saved? Uh, His response to them was, believe and be baptized. So baptism is a big deal for us. So lessons from the life of Christ, I mean, the lesson is that we too need to be baptized. And, uh, you know, baptism really, really is an indicator. Uh, I, and I would actually discourage a person from being baptized if they don't mean it. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, and I've done that a few times. And I regret the fact that I've baptized some people that, you know, really weren't ready. I mean, maybe they were doing it at someone else's behest. And uh, they were saying someone was encouraging them, so they did it. But, you know, I, I like it when people come and say, I want to be baptized because I love Jesus. I want to be baptized because I follow after Jesus. I want to be baptized because I understand that even is it says here, especially in the message paraphrase, Things are coming together right now in this baptism. I understand that right now in my life, spiritually, things are coming together right now in my life. And and I I acknowledge not only Jesus is my Savior, but he is my Lord. And friends, I want to suggest to you that if Jesus is your Savior but not your Lord, is he really your Savior? It's just a question. I mean, uh, John MacArthur wrote a book years ago, probably, wow, 40 years ago now, I think it was, the gospel according to Jesus. And it was a very controversial book in some circles because in the book he talked about the necessity of repentance. And some believed and only belief was all that was necessary, not repentance, but the scriptures, I believe, teach repentance and belief. Uh, And also in the book uh, he taught about uh, the lordship of Jesus. If he is not also your Lord, is he truly your Savior? And I think there are a lot of people who, who uh, who are interested in heaven but not the kingdom, people who want heaven but not the kingdom of God. And, and can I suggest a question? If you are that type of person who is only interested in getting to heaven but, but not interested in the things of God now, if you're not interested in the work of the kingdom of Christ now, do you actually possess saving faith? There's a lot of easy believism that's been taught the last 50, 60, 70 years. Uh, And, uh, you know, the last 20 years or so, people have really been pushing back against that easy believism, myself among them, saying, look, uh, it isn't just that simple, I believe in Jesus as my Savior, I'm going to heaven someday. If you do not have interest in spiritual things today, either you are saved and backslidden or you're not saved. Uh, there could be a third option. Perhaps there's a third option, an, an option that maybe you're just spiritually lukewarm. But there's a warning about that, that Jesus says in uh, the book of Revelation, he says to the lukewarm people, I will spew you out of my mouth. He wants us to be hot. He wants us to be cold, but not lukewarm. So, Getting to the point today and what we get from Jesus is, I mean, God was starting something new through his life. He was launching his ministry. When you trust in Jesus, when you're baptized because you're following after Jesus, it marks the beginning of a new work. I am a new creation. I am not what I was prior to the time I gave my life to Christ. 
Now, yes, I still flop around into my sins. I, I stumble into this sin or stumble into that sin. I could be stumbling into the to, to the sin of words that are, would be on my tongue, maybe privately, but words that are there. Uh, it, it might be stumbling into, I, I wouldn't call it road rage, but road impatience. And, and I don't get impatient necessarily. Yes, I do. It's not true. I get impatient sometimes following people going way too slow, but I also get impatient when someone follows me way too closely. I still sin, but I'm not what I used to be. I became a new person in Christ, and and baptism should should be a marker. I am a new person in Christ. I am living for Christ. I am following after Christ. Uh, and, and then the, now you want to tell other people. Well, friends, we've talked about baptism. We've talked about the further revelation of Jesus through baptism. And uh, hopefully, if, if you've not been baptized, you would come to me and say, I want to be baptized. I need to be baptized. Uh, as a believer, I want to let the world know that uh, um, that Jesus is my Savior and my Lord, and he has control of my life, and I'm going to follow after him. And yes, as imperfectly as I may follow, I'm going to follow after him. My phone thought I was talking to it, I guess. But anyway, friends, uh, I, I want to encourage you uh, today. Walk with Jesus. Love Jesus. Think about the work that God's doing. What has God prompted you to do? Let God use you like he used Philip to uh, to, direct, uh, to direct other people toward Christ. And at the conclusion of the day, we do all shout out to Susan Finley, as you've been doing in the comments. Happy birthday to you, Susan. May it be a spectacular 49th birthday. Lord, help us today to walk with you, to love you, to live for you, to make you known in how we live our lives and the words that come off our lips. Be glorified in us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, it's a wrap for today. I will see you over the weekend, and if not then, I'll see you on Monday. Have a good day, everyone.